0: What's up, QAA listeners? The fun games have begun. I found a way
1: to connect to the internet. I'm sorry, boy. 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 Welcome, listener, to Chapter 163 of the QAnon Anonymous podcast, the Rod of Iron Freedom Festival episode. As always, we are your hosts, Jake
2: Rokitansky, Julian Field, and Travis View. This week in Ideal News... Travis was sent undercover for three days to hang out with a heavily armed cult in Pennsylvania. Incidentally, he survived. No thanks to Jake, who refused to travel with him to the Rod of Iron Freedom Festival, organized by a subgroup of the Unification Church, a.k.a. The Moonies. Distinguishing Rod of Iron Ministries from their parent cult is the group's particular zeal for Trump's MAGA movement and the Second Amendment. They frequently perform marriage ceremonies, for example, armed with AR-15s. Headlining the Freedom Festival was a lengthy list of right-wing lunatics, including former Trump cabinet member Steve Bannon, pundit Dana Loesch, and Joey Gibson, the founder of the frequently violent Patriot Prayer Group. Also in attendance, of course, was Pastor Sean Moon, the founder of the Iron Rod Ministries, who during ceremonies enjoys wearing a crown made of bullets. Having made it back from his pilgrimage, Travis will attempt to describe what he experienced on the ground. And uh, I hear you even did some weapons training in preparation for this mission, Mr. View?
3: Yeah, yeah. I spent some time at the range with the expectation that I might have to enjoy some of their the firearm selection that they might have there. And, you know, what, honestly, if you live in the United States, you should go shooting once in a while at least, you know, I think. It's like if you live in Paris, you should probably see, you know— Whatever they got there,
1: eat the cheese. You know, yeah, enjoy right. some 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 nice uh, jambon jambon beurre.
2: You have to gamble with your life on uh, non pasteurized cheese and smoke cigarettes all day.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Once in a while, in fire my, off a few rounds. In my head, I That's imagine right. this as like the training montage, like before the undercover agent, like mm-hmm. you know, goes into the shit.
2: And so, what was uh, was the recoil more or less than you thought it would be? <laughs> well,
3: you know, as it turns out, I. Didn't actually fire any of the uh, firearms in Pennsylvania. I uh, decided not to because it involved going on a tram to a field somewhere. And honestly, I didn't feel like doing that.
1: Yeah, that's where I would have been killed. At
3: no point during this weekend was I in any danger ever. I want to be clear. But before all that, QAnon News Michael Flynn faces heat from evangelicals after giving a theosophical prayer. If you are a student of Western occultism, or if you've listened to the QAnon anonymous episode, Aliens in Atlantis, then you've heard of Theosophy. As Liv explained in the episode, Theosophy is a 19th century religion developed by the occultist Helena Blavatsky. Blavatsky claimed that there is a hidden religion that maintains a supposed ancient wisdom which is present all across the world and functions as an occult-like secret society that maintains ancient truths about magic, astral projection, and the origin of the human race. She claims her ideas were based on traditions taught to her by a group of highly enlightened yogis, which she called the Mahatmas. The group was later called the Ascended Masters. Theosophy would go on to influence the New Age movement, as well as Nazi mysticism via the Ariosophy movement, which is like theosophy, but Aryans are the ascended masters. Now, this weirdness is relevant because just in this past month, Michael Flynn landed in a bit of hot water for leading a group of congregants in a prayer that is a ripoff of a theosophical decree. The prayer in question occurred on September 17th at Kuhneman's Lord of Host Church in Nebraska and included strange references to sevenfold rays and legions.
4: So this is a, this is a prayer to God Almighty. Save my nation and bind those fallen angels. We are present together. We are here in the name of God. We are your instrument of those sevenfold rays and all your archangels, all of them. We will not retreat. We will not retreat. We will stand our ground. We will not fear to speak. We will will be the instrument of your will, will will. whatever it is. is. In your name, name. and the name of your legions, We are are freeborn, and we shall remain freeborn, and we shall shall not be enslaved enslaved by any foe, foe. within or without. without. So So help me God. God bless you. God bless America. Thank you very much.
3: Now, as it turns out, the reason that it sounds so strange is because much of it is plagiarized by the spiritual leader Elizabeth Kerr Prophet, who founded the theosophical cult Church Universal and Triumphant. This church took many ideas from the theosophical cult I Am activity. Prophet told her followers that she believed the end of the world would come in 1990 when a nuclear war would break out between Russia and the United States, and the only safe place in the world was the cult's headquarters in Montana. Flynn's prayer and his connection to Elizabeth Prophet were first noticed by Jim Stewartson on Twitter, which caused the anti-Semitic program True News with Rick Wiles to denounce Flynn. He said, "We are your instruments of your sevenfold race, sevenfold race. Who is he talking to, Doc? He's not talking to the God that I serve. He didn't pray in the name of Jesus. That was not a Christian prayer. That was a New Age prayer. It was as New Age as you can get." Yes. Here's a, the big mystery. How on earth did Flynn come across this prayer or did it make it or, or change it a little bit? How, how did it happen? Now, for this, we don't have a clear answer. At the event itself, Flynn reads from a handwritten card and says that the prayer is something he whipped up that morning.
4: So this is my, this is my prayer to you all. This is my prayer to myself, my family, my community, my country. And uh, I put this together quickly this morning. So...
3: Put this together quickly this morning. However, while trying to defend himself against charges of Satanism on the Christian program Faith and Truth Unveiled, Flynn says that it came from a prayer on a card that he just carried around in his wallet.
5: A lot of people in the Christian world uh, believe that, that when you pray to a rays of light and legion, you're praying to the devil. And so I even <laughs> saw a show the other day saying, Mike's flipped on the side of the devil. Can you please explain <coughs> what, what happened there, sir? <laughs>
6: Yeah. So I I, uh, I I find it actually pretty funny. Uh, but I know that a lot of people, you know, they read so much into this stuff. I carry with me a uh, prayer to St. Michael the Archangel, who I am named after. My mother named all of our, all of my brothers and sisters after after uh, saints, both our first name and our middle name, based on the pregnancy, pregnancy that she had. Wow. She said that I was always a, Fighter, but then she doubted whether I was ever actually going to be born, you know. And I was born on Christmas Eve. So that prayer that that prayer that I uh, that I uh, that I gave. uh, I woke up that morning prior to going on to uh, support um, the Victory Channel and Hank Kunneman. and and I really am a big fan of him and his church and what he's done to get a big, a great message out. But I get up that morning and I felt, you know, when I finish my talk i want to finish with a prayer and i was thinking about what should i say and and i carry with me this little card and on that card is the prayer to saint michael the archangel so i basically gave that gave a that you know a rendition of that prayer and um that's really what this whole thing is about so all these people that you know talk about turning to whatever that you know
3: you, this doesn't really explain anything. Did he read these words on the internet and then adapted them for himself in a way? Were they sent to him by an associate? Was he visiting Yellowstone and he just like pick up some prayer ideas off the ground that happened to be left behind by some cult members? You know, that would that would explain it. What do you want us to believe here that he's actually the Jake character? <laughs> <laughs> now, does this mean that Flynn is secretly a member of an obscure Montana cult that peaked in 1990? It would be kind of strange because like almost no one is a, is a member of that particular group anymore. And uh, I would argue that a prayer is a single data point that should be taken into consideration with other data points, such as the fact that Mike Flynn was raised in a large Catholic family. He has a history of endorsing Christian dominionist ideas, and he frequently references the Judeo-Christian values. Also a relevant data point, Mike Flynn is a habitual liar with brainworms who just seems to repeat whatever bullshit crosses his eyes, even if it's total nonsense or doesn't understand it very well. Uh, for example, he recently repeated a false claim that there were plans to include COVID vaccines in salad dressing just because someone sent it to him.
4: You know, somebody sent me a thing this morning where they're talking about putting the vaccine into salad dressing or salads. Yes. Have you seen this? Yes.
2: Have you seen it? I mean, it's and I'm, and I'm thinking to myself this is the bizarre world right this is definitely the bizarre world in that it doesn't exist <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about man
1: you almost think that he's gonna go to a place of like nah, nah, i mean who's coming up with this crazy stuff but he's like it's true and isn't that bizarre
3: Now, I think that probably the best write-up about this incident was by Robin Panetia for Wonket, who uh, provided a lot of background and really smart insights on what was going on. Uh, So she observed another issue. Both the Church Universal and Triumphant and the I Am cult forbid the wearing of black and red, which are favorite power colors that Michael Flynn likes to have on his suits. Twitter user Quacks Anonymous also observed that the Church Universal and Triumphant was very much against rock music. That tenet of the cult might be tough to square with QAnon since Q has linked to a couple of rock songs, including Twisted Sisters' We're Not Gonna Take It in the very last Q drop. In fact, uh, the church, Universal and Triumphant, had a really bizarre invocation denouncing rock.
0: And we especially call for the judgment in this hour and and the destroying of rock music directed specifically against children through the videos that were portrayed. And working specifically through these individuals, for whom we call forth the judgment of the sacred fire in this hour before the throne of Almighty God, Michael Jackson, Prince, Bruce Springsteen, Tina Turner, David Bowie, Van Halen, <laughs> Madonna, all
1: right, Baba <laughs> Bowie, uh, the go. famous, the famous uh, rock and roll artist. <laughs>
3: <laughs> you know, I've seen, I've seen like some people kind of like interpret it as like, oh, a QAnon. You know, turns on Flynn but I don't think that's really what's happening I see, I saw some like grumbling about the incident on Great Awakening.Win from some QAnon followers but like generally QAnon followers they can overlook some pretty heinous stuff so I I suppose the final test will be like if Flynn is like disinvited from future QAnon events which I just do not see happening so I guess we'll find out if things change if Flynn starts like making references to the Violet Flame channeling the Ascended Masters on stage then uh, they might have. And I I will also certainly reassess what Dufflin's uh, all about. Rod of Iron Freedom Festival. I'm not able to check Twitter on my flight to Pennsylvania, which I'm comfortable with now, though it might have made me feel itchy a couple of years ago. I've been spending a lot less time on the app recently, partly because my attention has been needed elsewhere, and partly because the compulsion just isn't there anymore. This has improved my mental health, though has the drawback of forcing me to spend more time with my thoughts. This has given me a greater appreciation for why past generations were drunk all the time. Why am I flying to the Rod of Iron Freedom Festival and not say Florida, where the Amp Fest is being held? Amp Fest has General Flynn, Tracy Diaz, Roger Stone, Marjorie Taylor Greene, plus Florida has Sunshine and Resort Accommodations. Well, because that, that's already gonna be well covered. I don't know if I'm gonna to learn too much by going there. I, I don't want to be like a deadhead for QAnon, just riding wherever the stars are from city to city. But wh- why am I doing this like generally? Why am I spending time away from my family? I mean, I like my wife and daughter more than anyone I'm going to encounter in rural Pennsylvania. Well, because I'm interested in conspiracism in the way that perhaps has gotten way out of hand. <laughs> Especially when that conspiracism is insurgent, and especially when it starts to touch the mainstream and bends reality affecting how we all live. I suppose I can't spend all my time at home. And the event in Pennsylvania includes Steve Bannon. You know, Bannon, I think I think he knows what he's doing. He was a key promoter of Mike Lindell's nonsense. Why is he gonna speak there, not like Florida? What does he see in the Sanctuary Church and the Rod of Iron Freedom Festival? I suppose I'm also doing this because the political temperature is so hot because I gotta make content. I've just, I've always made content. Now this is the content I'm making. I, and I hope it's good. I hope it's responsible. I hope it's useful. I just won't know until it's done. Day one. Now the first day of the Freedom Festival isn't really a festival at all. It's, it's rather a church conference, much more low key and cerebral. And it takes place inside the Unification Church itself in the otherwise unassuming town of Newfoundland, Pennsylvania. The church looks more modest than the headlines it has generated. In fact, it doesn't look much bigger than the chapel that was attached to my Lutheran elementary school I attended growing up, though I don't recall that chapel having artistic renditions of firearms around. (laughs) This church has attracted attention due to its practice of having congregants carry AR-15s while worshiping. One 2018 headline from the Chicago Tribune reads, Church built by two of Reverend Moon's sons is locked, loaded for the Lord. Those two sons are Sean Moon and Justin Moon. Their father and Unification Church founder, Sun Myung Moon, died in 2012. They formed this splinter church after a theological and personal split with their mother, Hakja Han Moon. Sean claims that Hakja Han tried to claim the title of God for herself. But when it comes to family it matters, you know, sometimes it's impossible for outsiders to completely understand the interpersonal dynamics at play. Here's how the Washington Post reported on the split between Hakja Moon and her sons. Sean's initial job was pastor of a unification church in Seoul.
1: Within 10 months, he was put in charge of international church operations. On three ceremonial occasions, he says his father named him, quote, heir and successor, end quote. However, he also sent conflicting signals to oldest brother Preston and to Hakja Han, a few days after her husband's passing in 2012, Hak Jahan summoned Sean to the magnificent peace palace the moons had built in the mountains of North Seoul. According to Sean, she put him on notice that, quote, I'm God, I'm Hananim, to which he replied, quote, Mommy, please, you can't say that. Father's not going to be happy. He says she phased him out of church activities and stopped taking his phone calls. In September of 2013, on the first anniversary of his father's death, Sean went to the palace in hopes of seeing his mother. In his version of events, she had security guards shoo him away. Justin Moon sided with his younger brother. Coincidentally, around that time, the New York legislator passed several gun control measures that irked him. He decided to extricate himself and Carr Arms from the Unification Church and move Carr headquarters elsewhere. In January 2015, Sean publicly renounced his mother for hijacking the Unification Church and rewriting and editing his father's religious texts. He has since taken to calling her the, quote, Whore of Babylon. Hak Jahan did not comment on specific allegations made by her son, but Ki Hoon Kim, Continental Chairman of the Family Federation for World Peace and Unification USA, responded in an email, quote, I know with certainty that Dr. Moon has reached out to her son, Hyung Jin, numerous times since February 2013, asking him to come back to Korea to meet with her, but he has refused each request. We can't know exactly what took place in private discussions between mother and son, but it's clear that he holds an escalating resentment towards her. Even if Dr. Moon had made such a statement that she is God, it is in line with our theological beliefs that she and her husband are one with God, just as Jesus said, quote, I and the Father are one.
3: More recently, the Sanctuary Church has gone on a land-buying spree. Earlier this year, Tess Owen for Vice News reported that the church purchased a 40-acre compound in Texas called Liberty Rock. Vice News also reported that the church purchased a 130-acre property on a mountain in eastern Tennessee to serve as a training center and holy ground. This property is called the Running Branch Camp and Marina. The church has also purchased land in Delaware and Florida. This increase in church real estate has been accompanied by increasingly apocalyptic rhetoric in Sean Moon's services, which are called the King's Report. The people staffing the church itself are expectedly warm and welcoming. There are no actual guns in sight. Maybe that's for special occasions or when the media bring their cameras. The conference describes the problem America faces this way.
1: All Americans who love America want to preserve it as a free nation. Watch in dread as they see the aftermath of the stolen presidential election and the takeover of our federal government by hardcore leftists.
3: The church provides breakfast, and while I eat, I speak to an older woman who asks me where I'm from. I tell her I'm from California, and she makes a pained, sympathetic expression like I just confessed I suffer from a chronic disease. (laughs) She shares a story about a friend of hers in California who got vaccinated and had to be hospitalized for blood clots. She helpfully clarifies that some of the blood clots happened because her friend drinks too much, but she's convinced that the situation was exacerbated by the vaccine. The core message of the conference is fairly straightforward. The nation is descending into intolerable sinfulness and tyranny. The only solution is for Christians to mobilize as a political force and to get armed. Really, the conference is about power in all dimensions, the spiritual, the political, and the physical. God, government, and guns. There are 10 speakers today, but I think only like four are worth sharing at all. The first speaker of the day is Cheryl Lee, the opinion editor of the Washington Times. That's the DC paper owned by the Moonies. In her view, earthly political divisions are really spiritual divisions. One side is aligned with God and the other isn't.
7: The Bible is clear. On earth, there will be trial and tribulation and trouble. In heaven, there will not be. Christians, Those of faith accept this as truth. Democrats, progressives, leftists, Marxists, socialists, communists, globalists, they do not. They do not accept that. They think that by policy and regulation, they can bring about a heaven on earth. And that is the difference between today's warring political factions. One side obeys God. The other side thinks it's smarter than God.
3: She implies that a time of reckoning is coming and the stakes are nothing less than freedom for all future generations.
7: And we're thick in this battle of principalities against those who arrogantly think they know better than God's words, against those who think that Jesus would be a socialist and that communism will be the government that saves humanity from all that ails. We're thick in this battle of principalities, and guess what? We're losing. Why? We're not fighting effectively. We've not been fighting effectively, as effectively as we can. And time grows short. The 12th hour approaches quickly. So we either start fighting effectively now, or forget about having a country that we can pass along to our children that's even the slightest bit free.
3: Chumley also continues to fight cultural war battles that have been settled for most people. For example, she brings up gay marriage in late 2021.
7: Look at gay marriage. I heard a conservative, a conservative say the other day that gay marriage was the law of the land. And I thought, No, it's not. It's the policy that was shoved into being by a wayward U.S. Supreme Court with justices who ignored legislation that was passed in several states prohibiting gays from so-called marrying. That's quite different from the law of the land.
3: Out of curiosity, I googled the approval rating for gay marriage. For 2021, Gallup polls it at 70% a record high since polling began and a rare point of unity in an otherwise divided nation. She argues that Democrats and the left more generally actually like the pandemic because it allows them to implement their agenda.
7: They used this fear and are still using this fear to turn our nation's own proud system of capitalism upside down. The Democrats have successfully weaponized our free market and sent business owners onto consumers to do the dirty work of government, to do the work the left wants done but can't because of that thing called the Constitution. This is where we're at in America, yes? The coronavirus has truly become the gift that keeps on giving for Democrats, for Marxists, for their friends and allies in the global community.
2: Oh yeah, the pandemic has been a regular insurgency of leftism.
3: There's an undercurrent of disgust and desperation throughout all of the talks. The environment is just too repulsive to tolerate, and just something must be done to fix it. The next speaker is Pastor Dan Fisher, author of the book Bringing Back the Black-Robed Regiment, how the 18th century church stood for liberty and why it must do so again. His talk mostly consists of stories of 18th century American pastors who traded their sacred garments for battle uniforms to join the war for independence from the British. In his telling, they believed that the gospel was the only message that could undergird liberty, and so religious leaders of their day used their voice, their resources, and sometimes even their weapons to take part in the fight. Fisher pushes back on the more commonly espoused idea that the American revolutionaries were primarily informed by Enlightenment-era ideas like secularism and empiricism. The historical parallel he is attempting to draw is obvious. He's telling modern-day pastors to stop focusing merely on personal and spiritual matters and step into the political realm. In his book, Dan Fisher says, I am certainly not advocating for war. But he also says this,
2: If America has any hope, it is to be found in the church. Christians must repent of their worldliness and rise up in the power of God's spirit and take the salt and light back into every area of culture, including the political arena. This is what the patriot preachers of the 18th century believed in, partly because they were willing to speak loudly and act boldly, America came to be. Now, in the 21st century, we are approaching a moment similar to the one our ancestors faced in the 1760s and 70s. As many preachers and their congregations played a significant role then, today's preachers must follow their bold example and do the same if we have any chance of sustaining the liberty our founding generation fought and died to provide and protect.
3: Dan Fisher's message will resonate here. The Unification Church has mastered combining spiritual salvation and political power plays. My ears perk up a bit when Dan Fisher refers to the Civil War as the war between the states, This is perhaps the most significant tell of a confederate sympathizer. After his talk, we break for lunch. Lunch is an assortment of pasta dishes, sliders, and fruit, all served by the cheery church staff. I grab my plate and sit at the long table in the lobby, across from two women. I learn that both of them were born in Europe. The first woman says that she is originally from Denmark, but she moved to the United States in the 70s in order to work for the late Reverend Sun Myung Moon. Now she works for Sean Moon. The other woman is from Germany and, in fact, still lives there. She actually flew all the way out here just for this event. Beat me for distance. I talked to the women about the Rod of Iron Marriage Blessing, which has caused the greatest amount of gawking press coverage. The woman from Denmark says that people wear the bullet crown because we are all co-kings with Jesus. And the rifle is a divinely ordained instrument of protection. She pulls out the folder and hands me a piece of paper that explains it further. It says this. We are co-heirs with Christ, the King of Kings. In the
1: book of Revelation, Christ speaks repeatedly about ruling with a rod of iron. But ruling is translated from the Greek word poimeno, which means to shepherd or guard. Therefore, the scripture tells us that God will protect his children with the rod of iron, guarding the flock not as a dictator has done in the past in satanic kingdoms, but as a loving father. In the same way, each of us is called to use the power of the rod of iron, not to impress, but to protect God's kingdom and its inhabitants. The first family
3: was destroyed by sexual sin. Now, that last line seemed a detour from the previous information.
1: (laughs) And all that was written on one sheet of paper?
3: Yep. But the opposite side of the paper clarifies that last line.
1: It was two-sided?
3: Yes, it was (laughs) (laughs) two-sided. Oh, my God. It states that Jesus has returned as Reverend Sun Myung Moon to save the family. It goes on to quote from Moon himself. Your
1: sexual organ is more important than your head. The origin of true love is not in your head. The origin of true life is not in your head. The origin of true lineage is not in your head. Where is this origin then? It is in the sexual organs. Isn't that true? Everything can be found in the sexual organs. Life, love, and lineage. They are the original palace of love. The root of life can also be found there. It is the same in the case of lineage. The sexual organs are the most precious part of not only our body, but also our present and our past. Without them, human reproduction would be impossible.
3: The first speaker after lunch is Teddy Daniels, a former police officer and Afghanistan war veteran who is running for Pennsylvania's 8th Congressional District. His candidacy has been endorsed by the Ascended Master, General Michael Flynn. While some who speak today merely hint or gesture at the idea of civil conflict, Daniels is more blunt. He says that the war is already here. And by war, he means that dweeby academics and journalists don't like people like him.
0: Okay, guys, in case you haven't noticed, we are at war in this country. We're at war. Does anybody here disagree that we're not at war? No. We're under attack from the liberal left, from academia, and from the mainstream media.
3: He says that he was thinking about this state of war because just earlier that day, Vice News ran a report that betrayed Daniels in a negative light for attending the Rod of Iron Freedom Festival.
0: Vice, you know, they they report on defending Antifa and BLM And they run a very pro-transgender narrative. Vice just attacked me this morning for speaking here. For speaking here. So I replied, thank you.
3: It's normally disappointing to hear politicians refer to war in a hyperbolic way, but in this case, it's especially confusing because Teddy Daniels knows what war looks like. He is a Purple Heart recipient. While engaged in the firefight with the Taliban in 2012, he was hit four times. Now, I myself... Have not been shot yet. We'll see. But I have to imagine that that sucked worse than having Vice News write about you. In fact, I think if someone came up to Teddy Daniels while he was in the hospital in between difficult surgeries, they're only necessary because he was repeatedly shot in a war. And this person said, you know, uh, I know exactly what you went through. One time BuzzFeed like ran a piece criticizing me. Daniels would have felt a little insulted. Daniels also offered a unique perspective on January 6th.
0: You know, they talk about the January 6th insurrection.
8: (laughs)
9: Whoo,
0: okay. First off, the insurrection happened on November 3rd. It wasn't January 6th. And if January 6th was an insurrection, we'd still be there. Okay, I can promise you that.
3: In my favorite bit, Teddy Daniels reveals the inspiring story of why he decided to run for office. He wanted to live a peaceful civilian life, but he knew that he had to take action once he saw that cartoons were getting too gay for his liking.
0: You know, this all started because I I was one of the guys who just wanted to be left alone. Came back from Afghanistan, had a bunch of surgeries, just wanted to be left alone with my wife and my family. But they kept pushing and pushing and pushing. And I'm watching cartoons with my son. Like, there are certain cartoon channels we won't watch anymore because they're pushing the LGBTQT, XYZ, whatever it is anymore yep. agenda on cartoon channels. Yes, yeah. They're pushing BLM agendas on cartoon channels. And I'm like, you know what? I remember having the talk with my wife, and I said, I'm done. I'm done. I got to
2: do something. I can, I will not watch Bugs Bunny get dressed up as a girl one more time and that yes. big, bald <laughs> hunter get horny and whistle.
3: I mean, I just don't understand the connection between being mad at the quality of the entertainment on television and running for Congress. Now, I hate a lot of TV, but I've never seen TV that was like so bad be like, oh, I got to get in the fucking Congress, man. Our next speaker is the pastor, Dr. Joseph Green. He called together his learned knowledge of Scripture to make a roundabout argument for why the vaccine is satanic. In his view, we are in the last days because we are in the middle of a battle for the image of
5: God. See, one of the things that we see here that's happening, we see, and I believe that we're in the last days as the Bible describes, and I'll show you some of the key, the cues that we know that we're in the last days. But because we're in the last days, we should recognize that what is happening isn't necessarily a political fight. It's not Republican versus Democrat. It's not necessarily conservative versus liberal. Uh, what we are literally <laughs> experiencing is a fight for the image of God, the, the Imago right. Dei.
3: In his view, our DNA is godly. Attempts to manipulate our DNA are satanic because that's trying to play God. He claims that this kind of satanic gene manipulation happened even in biblical times.
5: There's places in the scripture they said the man had a head of a lion and those type of things. Those were hybrids. They were doing gene manipulation a long time ago. (laughs) A lot of us think that they just start doing it now, but they've been doing it for a long time. The enemy was doing it for a long time. Because what happens? What was man supposed to be? Man is supposed to be the DNA bloodline of God. That's right. So the enemy who wants to be God and replace God, what does he do? He starts to tamper with the human DNA because he wants to be like God instead.
3: He ties this to the modern day by claiming falsely that receiving the mRNA vaccine reprograms your DNA.
5: This is mRNA. This is from one of the websites. I think this is AstraZeneca or whatever. You see what they call it? That's their words, that's not my words. They call it the software of life. It means it's a reprogramming of your DNA. And guess who they're trying to give this vaccine to? Women. Everybody, every human being on the face
3: of the earth. mRNA vaccines do not, in fact, change your DNA. mRNA vaccines work by introducing a piece of mRNA or messenger RNA that corresponds to a viral protein. Using this mRNA blueprint, cells produce the viral protein. And then as part of a normal immune response, the immune system recognizes that the protein is foreign and then produces protective antibodies. It's a very clever judo process on your immune system that makes it better and prepared for bad things that come. And it's a miracle. It's a miracle that our ancestors would have chopped off their foot to receive. And you should check out Vaccine the Human Story on your favorite podcasting app by Andy Kelly. Green has such contempt for the vaccine, he judges pastors who encourage it.
5: And I'm a pastor, so I'm blaming myself as well. I heard pastors say, there's a pastor in, uh, in, in the South, in Georgia, I think it is. He said, if you're not vaccinated, you can't come to my church.
8: Oh
5: my God! Uh, in New York, I don't know if you guys heard the, the governor of New York. She was in a, a church up in uh, A.R. Bernard's church, I think it was. In the pulpit, she said, we prayed to God and asked for something. God gave us this vaccine.
6: Oh
5: he said, this vaccine is from God, but some of the people aren't from listening. God. And she says, I need you to be my apostles to go out and convince other people yeah, yeah. to take this. Oh That's blasphemy. Yes. So we prayed to Jehovah Rafa, uh, yes. <laughs> the Lord who heals, yes. Yes. and his response is not supernatural healing. His response is, you got to Take this.
3: So I pray to God, and you're telling me that might not work, and I have to take a vaccine that has empirical backing? So it seems a little sus. I leave the conference, and I discover that I'm far too remote for a ride-sharing service to take me back to my best Western hotel. So I call a taxi service and ask them to pick me up at a bar about half a mile from the church. It'll take an hour and a half for the cab to arrive, which gives me plenty of time to walk up there and have a drink or two. When I get there, I discover that it's a biker saloon that has three flags flapping in the parking lot. A Trump flag, a Confederate flag, and an American flag. Gray-haired men in leather vests smoke outside. There's also a sign advertising the Freedom Festival, complete with the face of Sean Moon wearing his bullet crown.
1: Oh my god, I would have been dead not from anybody that I would have anxietyed myself into uh, a state of non-existence, uh, just, just on the walk up to this bar.
2: Jake wearing a crown of, of
3: Xanny bars. <laughs> <laughs> I sit at the last unoccupied seat at the bar and order a Goose Island IPA. While I drink, I start to doubt my understanding of the history in light of the Confederate flag and the strange reference to the war between the states. Google confirms that Pennsylvania was a Union state. About 150 miles south from where I am sipping my beer and thumbing my phone, more than 23,000 Union soldiers died in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, while they were resisting General Lee's final attempt to push his forces into the north. I start to go down a Wikipedia rabbit hole. I've got a lot of time to kill. I can't escape references to the Civil War even when I go to the bar bathroom. On the corkboard in the men's room, someone has written the words Johnny Rebel in Sharpie. This is perhaps reference to the singer Johnny Rebel, who released music celebrating racial hatred and white supremacy in the 60s and 70s. His first studio album, released in 1971, was called for segregationist only. Eventually, my taxi calls to let me know that it has arrived. As I'm leaving the bar, I'm stopped by a woman who asked me if I just attended the Save the Nation conference. She was there too. She asks me if I will be attending the Freedom Festival. I will. She says she looks forward to seeing me there and looks at me with warmth and optimism. I'm a soul ripe for saving, a married man who can be recruited into the fight, a warm lead. I feel a little bad because my soul is not actually on the market. I'm leading her on just by talking to her. I say I look forward to seeing her too and leave for my waiting taxi. I tell the taxi driver how grateful I am that he came all the way out here. As we head off, He chats about the ongoing major league baseball division series though he doesn't have a dog in the fight as a long-suffering mets fan the last time i followed baseball with any regularity tony Gwynn was still playing for the padres so i don't have much to contribute but i muddle through as best i can he's courteous offering to adjust the windows and change the radio to my preference i say that the country station that is currently playing is fine he asks what i do and i tell him that i'm a podcaster he says oh we chat some more. His favorite dog is the golden retriever. He used to have two. He then says, since you're a pastor, I want to tell you something.
2: <laughs>
3: I quickly correct him. I said, I'm a podcaster. He says, oh, podcaster. I thought you said pastor. He pauses. It continues anyway. My cousin died, he says.
2: Oh, God.
3: I was very close with her. She lived just three houses down from me. It was not followed by a question or a request. I realized that he had geared up to inform me of this personal tragedy on the assumption that I, as a pastor, could provide him with some comfort and counsel in his time of grief. And he opted not to change course even after being informed that I am, in fact, a podcaster. And by the way, you're a disgrace to the profession. (laughs) I don't know if he realizes how (laughs) underqualified for the task that makes me. (laughs) I just left a church that was full of pastors who are all politically toxic, helping ruin this country, I believe, but would all be more useful in this particular situation than I am. But I'm not about to reject a grieving man, so I offer my best untrained, impromptu pastoring. I say, I'm very sorry for your loss. God bless you and your family. He says, thank you. I hope that was good enough.
7: Day two.
3: The actual festival itself takes place around a giant gun store called Tommy Gun Warehouse. (laughs) This is the headquarters of Car Arms, founded and operated by Sean Noon's brother, Justin Moon. Open carrying a pistol or revolver is of course permitted. Long guns are also permitted, but they must be zip-tied so they're rendered inoperable. Some opt to do just that, carrying around their rifles so they can show them off to people who will appreciate them. I spot my first Q reference as soon as I walk onto the grounds. There is a fire red Hummer H2 that says PBI, People's Bureau of Investigation. There's also a sticker that says NCSWI here. This is a variation of a common QAnon saying, nothing can stop what is coming. But instead, the red Hummer has changed it to say, nothing can stop what is here. What was coming is now here. They're no longer waiting. They're just saying it's here. At the festival, there are long rows of booths that hawk food, merchandise, and opportunities for activism. There is, of course, an NRA booth, plus a booth for the GOA, the Gun Owners of America, which is the gun organization for people who think the NRA are wimps. Plus a handful of even smaller Second Amendment organizations I've never heard of. There are lots of places to purchase t-shirts, a popular seller, is a black shirt that says in white lettering, BLM, Biden loves minors. It hung in a few vendors booths and I saw people walking around wearing it. There's also, most interestingly for me, a booth for the People's Bureau of Investigation. I, of course, approach the man at the booth and ask him what's up. Full disclosure, these are our only sponsors,
2: but they've been with us since the beginning. In a way, we are the PBI.
9: What
3: do we have here?
9: What we have is new guards that our Declaration of Independence calls for during a time when a government becomes destructive. We know our government's been destructive for many, many years, right? right. Our lifetimes. So the Constitution says it's our right, it's our duty to throw off the government and provide new guards. So the People's Bureau of Investigation is going to be an entity, or is an entity, that investigates government crime, corporate overreach, Breach of oath, deprivation of rights, things of that nature.
3: Now, first of all, I hate to be a stickler, but technically, it's the Declaration of Independence, not the Constitution, that says as that the people's right and duty to throw off a government and provide new guards for their future security. But where are these PBI agents? Well, according to the man behind the booth, they're they're everywhere.
9: And we're going to have agents in every county in the United States, uh, looking into state, federal, and local government corruption. Walk into a government office and say. I'm with the People's Bureau of Investigation. I need an office today because it's our office, right? We're paying for it. Now we bring in people and ask, hey, do I need to be concerned about corruption? Everyone from the custodian to the to the secretary and everyone in between. Okay. And go and investigate the quote-unquote entities that are supposed to be protecting our rights because they're obviously not. So that's the
3: concept behind it. Now, here's a question. How do you qualify to become an agent of the PBI? That's the best part. If you were born on this earth, you're already an agent. We've
9: Everyone's born an agent. You can currently put, uh, uh, we're going to have paid agents established, but everyone is officially born an agent. We had 8 billion strong globally. or flat earthly. I don't know. <laughs> or... Um, Three and a half million um, domestically strong with unpaid agents. Yeah,
1: the irony that "go your own way" is playing in the background of this conversation is is not lost on me. Great,
3: I think that should be the first investigation of the PBI. What is the shape Uh, of the earth?
2: Yeah, you got to (laughs) figure out the basics first. Get your house in order.
1: Yeah, send them. Yeah, send them on a send them on a little mission for a little bit. Maybe it'll distract them.
2: The fucking PBI, honestly. We should replace all spy agencies in America with the PBI
3: run by this guy. <laughs> now, here's another question. Why can't people just uh, do their own independent investigation and just post the results on social media? Well, the PBI is different because though agents work on their own, it can provide a centralized place to log the results of investigations.
9: Because we've already not been free and now they want to literally kill us off and eliminate us entirely. So... We need to log what's happening rather than just talk about it on social media or complain about it at events. So we're gonna have everything from corporate you know, mask mandates. I've got somebody who complained that uh, they're working in shipping containers in Arizona for Google in 130 degree weather forced to wear masks moving boxes around all day. I
3: mean, he makes a good point. I mean, if it's true that Amazon is is forcing people to do strenuous manual labor all day in 130 degree heat, then someone should like blow the lid off of that. Now, I mean, talking to him, it sounds like he's only mad about it because of the mask thing, but I think he's on the right track. And you know what? I don't think the FBI would ever bust Amazon for abusive labor practices. He goes on to explain his personal theory about why people are so crazy. He thinks they're being influenced to madness by the tiny sliver of the world population that control the media.
9: What they're doing by way of the media, because I study a lot of this. I've been studying monarch programming, MK4 Ultra programming. They use the television They use uh, the visuals, they use the audio track, and they even push frequencies out to to bring people into submission, the frequencies emitted from these devices. So what they're doing is they're making mass psychosis. They're making a globe, everyone crazy. Even people who wish are good people are forcing mandates because they're being brainwashed to an extent that's ungodly. So uh, we're all victims. Everyone's a victim of the madness from just a small percentage of the population. I like to say it's 1% of 1% that's making us all crazy.
2: There are degrees of difference at most between this guy and
3: the mainstream articles about Havana syndrome. I feel like he's really a hair's breadth away from a lot of articles about Facebook and Mark Zuckerberg. I think Facebook is a destructive company, and I would like to see it burned to ash. But, uh, but uh, I think there's this idea it's like, well, gosh, all everyone's just acting the way they do because they're being uh, mind screwed by Zuckerberg. Now, how will the PBI be financed? Now, this is the best part through a cryptocurrency called the Freedom Token. <laughs> listen come on man
2: you can't use tax dollars man come on jack but why a new cryptocurrency like you could just use one of the ones that this we already... one
3: is for freedom <laughs> god damn it this is what he told me
9: we look at donations and we created the pbi anti-tyrannical freedom token is debuted for a dollar or one dollar seventy seven cents for one token This is attached to freedom. This is going to fund agents in every county. So when you buy tokens in your county and you you put in what county you're from, 70% of your purchase goes specifically to establish an agency in your county. We're uh, we're out of communist occupied Illinois, but we're going to get our first agency, looks like Texas, where we're going to be opening up down in, uh, in Texas by the border because they're coming through uh, with a lot of resources down there to get get off the ground, and they really want to get an established uh, office down there.
3: I like this idea. It's like an intel militia. It's a spy militia. I'm into it. I walk over to the main stage, where I sit among what looks like a thousand plastic chairs under a giant tent covering. I have already heard some of these speakers from yesterday, but I'm really waiting to hear from Sean Moon, who is listed on the schedule. Finally, the MC introduces him and he walks up to the microphone while wearing his trademark bullet crown to a standing ovation from the crowd. Sean Moon recalls the myth of his father, the founder of the Unification Church. While he speaks, he also slips in that he thinks his dad is literally the return of Jesus.
10: We celebrate this freedom this day because in 1950, my father, the Reverend Sun no Moon, who our tradition honors as a returning Jesus, was free from a North Korean death camp by US armed forces where he was in prison and scheduled for execution for preaching the gospel. God sent good men with guns that stopped bad men with guns that led to my father's freedom, which without myself, my brother, or our worldwide church community would not be here today.
3: Now, this is what I love about like the Moonies and the relationship to the religious right. So the idea that Jesus returned to Earth in the early 20th century is clear heresy in every major Christian denomination. But the unification church and its offshoots can basically say, we love guns, Jesus was reborn in Korea about 100 years ago, and we hate communists, and they can get a whole crowd of white evangelicals to say, we fucking love that first and third thing you said. I didn't hear the middle thing. I'm sure it doesn't matter. Sean Moon, very cleverly in my opinion, drew a parallel between the supposed plight faced by fanatical Trump supporters and members of the Unification Church throughout the decades.
10: This is the reason why True Father created a worldwide anti-communist movement educating the youth around the world about the evils of communism and centralized government. He started the Washington Times, the Collegiate Association for the Research of Principles, Youth Federation for World Peace, and newspapers and media across the globe to educate the public about the deceptive tactics of leftists, communists, and those who strive for power through the apparatus of government, or as he referred to, the 666 Antichrist Beast. For this fierce anti communist stance was labeled a cult leader radical extremists by the fake news media, the very same labels the radical left is using to call Trump supporters and conservatives today.
3: You know, uh, he taught me it was OK to be weird. How about he taught me it was OK to be a radical extremist. You're not going <laughs> to shame me for being a literal extremist. Now, I know you shouldn't hand it to him, but man, Sean Moon, he is an impressive public speaker. He's like, he's focused and he's intense. He's like desperate. And like any good storyteller, he raises the stakes with dramatic imagery so that heroic action feels necessary and urgent.
10: Within a span of less than two years, the tech giants, central banks, mega corporations, Hollywood, Soros, Gates, Schwab, Rothschild, CCP, have been able to decimate the world economy and are aiming to utterly kill America and eradicate freedom from the face of the earth. If the torch of liberty is snuffed out in America, the world will enter a kingdom of hell on earth, dystopian, Kafkaesque, 1984-like world that will enforce social credit scores, tracing and tracking of all citizens, centralized digital currency, climate change, carbon taxes, and totalitarian governments ruling over the people as gods who make laws for you, but not for themselves.
3: Now, what heroic action might be necessary to avoid such a horrible dystopia? Well, just what you might expect. State secession, revolution, civil war.
10: Texas and New Hampshire have already started the process of discussing secession from DC. And other states in the South are moving in such a direction given the criminal lawlessness and outright contempt for America by the DC bureaucrats. As we are expanding the Freedom Festival to include Tennessee this year, we are talking with thought leaders, Second Amendment advocates, politicians, constitutional historians, and legal scholars of the need to help patriots explore the path that our founders walked and established for us. We must explore more deeply the Second Amendment and the revolutionary period as we are facing a time of worldwide revolutions. Controversial topics of state successions, alliances between conservative states, and how to navigate the political landscape in a time of increasing tyranny, potential civil war, and worldwide lockdowns must be brought to the surface.
3: I mean, his tone is so apocalyptic. Yeah. I, like, for a moment, I forget. He's trying to welcome the crowd to two days of family, food, <laughs> fun, music, games. But then he reminds me.
10: Once again, we welcome you all to the Rodham Miner Freedom Festival. God bless you, God bless America, and resist the tyranny, for we shall prevail. God is with us. Rise and stand with him. God bless you.
3: In addition to the events on the main stage, the festival grounds also feature two tents that host seminars on various topics. Some topics concern pragmatic issues related to owning and operating a firearm, such as mental dynamics of target shooting and holstering options for women. One might also take in a history lesson on America's humanitarian activities during the Korean War. Now, I personally, I attended a talk by Sheriff Richard Mack, who is the founder of the Constitutional Sheriffs and Peace Officers Association. Now, members of this organization subscribe to the notion of county supremacy, which uh, believes that the county sheriff has the ultimate authority to determine what is and is not constitutional. It's also associated with deranged conspiracy theorists and sovereign citizens. So I wonder if his talk will veer into the wilds of conspiracism. It does not. Now, Max main claim to fame is winning a lawsuit that he brought against the Brady Act. Uh, this was a, a gun law. His lawsuit alleged that portions of the act violated the U.S. Constitution because they comprised a congressional action that compelled state officers to execute federal law. So it's a uh, 10th Amendment issue. In a five to four decision, the Supreme Court ruled that the provisions of the Brady Act in question were, in fact, unconstitutional. At the talk itself, he has out these little study guides and he walks us through each section of the majority opinion. Though the constitutional sheriff movement is associated with racists like uh, Sheriff Joe Arpaio, Mack himself discussed segregation as an example of the kind of federal law which should be resisted at the state level. He cited Plessy versus Ferguson, the 1896 U.S. Supreme Court decision that upheld the constitutionality of racial segregation under the separate but equal doctrine as an example of the kind of federal judicial ruling which should be ignored. He also cited a historical incident in which President Kennedy federalized National Guard troops and deployed them to the University of Alabama to force its desegregation as an example of a proper and justifiable use of federal power. I'm thinking perhaps he's not as kooky as I've been led to believe. But then after the talk, I see that he takes a seat right behind the PBI booth to sign books. <laughs> <laughs>
2: We're all in it, Travis. Okay. got a billion people. Come on.
3: I also attend a talk from the gun owners of America about political activism, and it is incredibly dry and straightforward. You know, I realize that what happens here is that is that you attend the conference and they lather you up and they excite you. And then they send you into the dry, less sexy, real more down to earth matters of how to take action. I suppose if you are already like, you know, riled up, these kinds of things are a little bit more intriguing because now all of a sudden you're full of passion and now you want to know what can I do? And these things are a little bit more mechanical. Okay, here are the steps you can take. I mean, honestly, the gun owners of America talk I I, I attended, it could have been a talk on how to uh, convince politicians to add more community gardens to your community, to your area. You know, it was it was it could have applied to any. Any kind of like broad political sort of uh, movement this is I mean I mean this whole event is so clever because yeah there's good food and there's music and there's entertainment and there's conspiracy theories if you want that and then there's like you know there's calls for uh, almost calls for a civil war, saying that civil war is upon us or imminent or whatever, talking about how awesome guns are. But then after that, after all of that, the, there's, a, there's a, a time where you sit down with a real nuts and bolts political activist that tells you how things really, really work. Day three. On the third and final day of the conference, I spot yet another Q reference, and this time it's also on the vehicle. It's on a blue truck that's totally coated with decals. There's a Q and a where we go one, we go all, of course. There's also a save the children and then execute your local pedophile. But perhaps most spectacularly of all, there is a giant flag mounted on the driver's side bearing the mugshot of Jeffrey Epstein. And when the flag unfurls, it says this flag did not hang itself. It was I one of the strangest things. Based. I mean, I saw, I, mean, I cannot imagine printing the face of the most prolific and notorious pedophile in the world. Just a monster, unimaginable, having it just flap next to you as you cruise down the road, just owning everyone that you pass. <laughs> Today, I'm really looking forward to seeing Steve Bannon, but I learned that he's not actually going to show up in person, though he was listed in the program. He only has time to briefly call in. He calls into the main stage on an absolutely terrible connection that dips <laughs> in and out. Oh my
9: God. Sam, how are you doing? Thank you very much, folks. The great honor of discussing you guys today. I'm here
2: in New York with Mayor Rudy and Giuliani,
11: and we're, we're working on, uh, on making sure that nobody. And nobody
3: lays a glove on President Trump. Yeah. So he's, he's hanging with Giuliani, making sure nobody lays a glove on Donald Trump. I don't know what that means exactly. Maybe he's LARPing. Maybe he just like took a break from being the shit out of a Southern District of New York prosecutor. I mean, it's uh, it's, it's very, very confusing. The audience is mostly listeners of Bannon's War Room podcast, and they all sit up attentively to listen to what he has to say. But it's, again, it's just barely audible. I think I can hear him promising baselessly that there's any remote hope of decertifying the election. But listen, here's why it's so important at these meetings. You know, we're winning right now. I know it seems like it's tough sometimes, but but we are, def- we are definitely winning, and we're going to have sweeping. 2022.
9: The reason we're going to do that is we're going to to the bottom of what happened in Commonwealth of Pennsylvania on November 3rd of 2020.
3: And we got to keep the pressure on Senator Corbin everybody in the living in Pennsylvania. We must
10: hold for on in and campus of the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, particularly Philadelphia. The information we're I'm telling you, not, he does to decertify the electors
3: in you know. Now, this is a very different message than what I heard at the church the day before yesterday. They said specifically that we're losing because we're not fighting. But now, Bannon here saying, "No, we're actually winning because the information that the elections were fraudulent is on our side and it's going to come out, and that's going to lead to a decertification." Of the election, which by the way, is not a thing. That's not something that can happen, even hypothetically. There's not a world in which some piece of information is revealed and then actually we go back in time and saying that election didn't count. Now, I I have to believe that Bandon is smart enough to know this. Right. right. I, so, so I, wa- I really want to know why is he filling the heads of his very impressionable and trusting listeners with this lie? I mean, I think I think he's I kind of think that he what he's doing is that he's making a promise of the system. He's saying that the system can do this thing for you. It can decertify an election you believe is fraudulent, knowing that the system can't even fulfill that promise in theory. And so what's going to happen is that it's going to cause all of his listeners to have even less faith in the system. It's going to have even less credibility in their eyes. And this will lead to even more deterioration and distrust and detachment from the things that make our society function. There are lots of seminars to attend on Sunday, but the one that I want to attend is by a woman who goes by the name Mel Kay. Her talk is on The Great Reset. What is Agenda 21 and 30 and what should we do? Okay. Now we're talking. Mm -hmm. I perk up a little bit. I've been tired. I've not been sleeping well. I got to say, I'm in a strange place. I'm far from home. I, you know, I'm not used to the weather and the time zone. This is something I'm looking forward to. Now, Mel Kay isn't QPill, but she has appeared on QAnon programs. She's more like a classic New World Order conspiracist, you know, talking about how the Federal Reserve and the UN and the Rockefellers and other powerful entities, possibly in the thrall of the Nazis and or the occult, are plotting to enslave and or depopulate the planet.
12: People don't really get that our tax dollars are going to a foreign entity and then that foreign entity pays Basically, all of our taxpayer dollars go to interest. They're never touching the principle, ever. This is the debt slavery that they've set up all over the world. And um, it is my firm belief that the leaders of this world got together. And, and each individual country is doing what they want to do in terms of their sovereignty and their future. But I do believe Donald Trump is a part of a group of people that are trying to not just destroy the Bank of International Settlements and the Federal Reserve banking system, but also clean it out for good. Because like I said, the Nazis didn't end. They came here. We are living under the fourth Reich.
3: She was able to talk like this without pause, breathlessly for the full hour that she was allotted. It was impressive. You know, I think it's like a throwback to like the pre-internet era, where if you wanted to be a conspiracist, you need, uh, you need to be a bit of a rambler. And let me tell you what, she was perhaps one of the best loved people at any of the seminars. Her, her tent was full. People literally shouted out at her, we love you. She was uh, well liked there. In her talk, Theosophy creator Blavatsky actually got a shout out. And it happens while she talks about how the UN is satanic.
12: If you go to the UN, which unfortunately I live right near, uh, there is something there called the Lucis Trust Meditation Room. And this Lucis Trust Meditation Room is the philosophy behind the United Nations. Uh, It was written by this woman, Alice Bailey, whose mentor was this woman, Blavatsky, who was Hitler's uh, occult, I guess, guide, spiritual guide, whatever that is. And um, the Lucis Trust is really the Lucifer Trust. And they changed the name to deceive us. And right now, we are being run by the Lucifer Trust slash United Nations—that is who owns
3: Joe Biden. So, quick fact check: It is true that the UN has a meditation room, and it is true that there is an organization called the Lucius Trust, which was founded by Alice Bailey, who was a Theosophist influenced by Vavasquez. It is, however, not true that it's called the Lucius Trust Meditation Room. It's also not true that's really the Lucifer Trust. However. For two or three years in the early 1920s, Alice Bailey published books under a company called the Lucifer Publishing Company. So I will call that one a wash. Also, there is a uh, Lucius Trust UN connection because of the Lucius Trust can be found on the list of non-governmental organizations in the consultative status with the UN Economic and Social Council, along with thousands of other nonprofits and religious organizations. Also, like I mentioned, there's a way in which Blavatsky influenced Nazi mysticism, but I, I don't think you could actually call her Hitler's occult spiritual guide. So this is uh, this is classic stuff, you know, little tiny itty bitty connections that uh, that there's something there, and then they blow it up into uh, big important occult symbolism. Finally, Mel K gets around to the real puppet masters of everything: the Swiss. <laughs>
12: All this traces back always to David Rockefeller, who said in 1994 that the goal of uh, the Rockefeller family and the bank and cabal was to microchip every human on the planet. He said this in 1994, okay, so, uh, and he still is, um, basically his family, I believe that they're systematically being taken down, but between the the Swiss, uh, didn't we all grow up in America thinking Switzerland was neutral? It's the exact opposite. All roads and everything nefarious on this planet lead back to Switzerland. You can't even get me started on CERN because I don't even know what they're doing there, but it's evil.
3: Okay, yeah, fact check. Uh, absolutely true. You should never trust the Swiss. They are yes. all, all, all just liars and degenerates. They have concave heads. That's how you recognize them, by their concave heads.
2: You're stopping short of the truth, but I appreciate that.
3: Restraint. <laughs> After spending two and a half days with this shit, I just wanna go for a walk. Now, fortunately I'm surrounded by forest and it's starting to rain more heavily. I go into the woods and marvel at the colors that are starting to show in mid-October. I don't get seasons quite as dramatic as this in California. The paths between the trees are blanketed by bright red and yellow leaves, just like the pictures on calendars. There are also varieties of red mushroom I just have never seen in my life. The bird chirps are so short and high-pitched. Everything is so weird. It's really nice. I take a few snapshots with my camera, kneeling down to capture a foreground image of the mushroom with the wet, colorful forest in the background. You know, this is really peaceful, but I can't stay here. I need to go back to see what's uh, going on the festival. I need content. Maybe this is content. I mean, this is my show, this, uh, right? So content's whatever I want it to be. This is pretty self-indulgent, but it's still it's still technically content yeah no
2: the mushroom content I mean this is the only reason people signed up
3: we are we're gonna transition into a mushroom photography podcast so gradually no one will even notice
1: Oh I would fucking love that honestly this that was the that last part was the only section of during this episode where I didn't feel like uh, immensely powerless and uh, depressed mm-hmm.
3: but of course it's time to go back It's time to see what's going on and when I go back to the main tent I hear this announcement.
4: Yeah. Okay. Next up, we have our brothers and sisters from Korea,
13: the Korean
11: Brought of Iron Choir. They're going to entertain us with some first uh, martial arts demonstration and then sing us a wonderful song. Again, supporting our Second Amendment rights. These are people coming from all around the world, ladies and gentlemen, to support us here in America.
3: And from here... I witness an impressive display of talent. Ten young people, I'm guessing they're all Korean teenagers, file onto the stage in two rows of five. They all look like they're ready for a hunting trip, let's say. Green, black, and red paint is streaked across their faces. They all wear matching camouflage pattern hoodies, black cargo shorts, and black gloves. And then dramatic music starts playing. As the music plays, they simultaneously assume a fighting stance, fists raised, dominant foot back. They all begin shadow boxing in unison. This is a tightly choreographed routine and obviously well-practiced. At my highest rank in Taekwondo as a kid, purple belt, I do not believe I could have matched their precision. They all file off the stage, but then two return bearing black rubber knives. They perform a short choreographed knife fight, ends with one taking the other to the ground and then bringing the knife to the downed youth's chest. They quickly exit the stage and then two more enter, this time bearing two foot-long sticks each. They perform another routine, displaying their proficiency with those simple weapons. They also exit, but then two more from the group enter, this time bearing an American flag in one hand and a Korean flag in the other. They elegantly swirl the flags around their bodies and move around each other in yet another display of practice and discipline. They exit, but another person enters bearing a single flag displaying the Rod of Iron Ministry's logo. This church flag is at least twice the size of the national flags. This flag bearer, with both hands gripping the pole, energetically flings the banner around his body, performs spinning maneuvers, and fully extends his arms from his body in every motion, so there is never a moment where the flag goes limp. The other flag bearers again enter the stage to join him, and they all together fling the flags up and down to the music. And just as the song ends, they all assume their final formation, flags held aloft. I thought that was the end, but there was one more display of talent before it was done. As most of the other kids waved the flags back and forth in rhythm on the stage, three picked up microphones and began to sing.
11: 오, 세, 예, 세, 와, 가,
5: 지, 혼,
1: I watched while we were listening to that. I'm pretty sure I saw Julian's soul leave his body. Uh, His hair is disheveled. Uh, His spliff is wrinkled and bent. Uh, His eyes are just closed in in sheer uh, acknowledgement of some sort of inner pain. And he wasn't even there in person. Travis the Stoic survives another day.
3: (laughs) After this display, the performers file off stage for the last time. Festival goers offer them high fives and words of praise for the routine. Then a boomer cover band takes the stage to play some classic hits. <laughs> by 8pm on the last day only the hardiest festival goers remain. Most left before it got dark driven out either by the rain or fatigue. I stay because I was promised a closing ceremony. The program describes it as a grand finale with keynote remarks by Sean Moon himself and a rendition of a song called Marching on Heavenly Soldiers. This is a Unification Church hymn written in 1958. Its lyrics include, Sanctified brave crusaders join in our true parents fight, lifting high the rod of iron, smashing evils of the world. The closing ceremony doesn't take place in the festival grounds itself, rather a giant grassy field surrounded by woods right behind the equally grassy makeshift parking lot for the event. I follow those others who have stuck it out, who number perhaps one or two hundred people. The spot for the final event is itself very dark, only illuminated by the portable light tower a couple hundred feet away. At the location, I see two men standing next to each other under a covering, each holding a script and facing a microphone. Behind them on the hill, there is a large stack of wooden pallets. The crowd is all in warm coats and hats and they stand silently as the men speak. They scream, really. One man yells a passage from a script in English and then the other man repeats the same passage in Korean. They speak reverentially of Sun Myung Moon or as church members refer to him, true father, the messiah.
11: I shall talk about true father. Who governs the spiritual and physical world and who is now here with us? 성상 또한 모든 피와 땅과 눈물 한 방울까지도 아끼지 않으시고 하나님의 성리와 삶이심을 저희들은 잘 알고 있습니다. We know very well that true father has devoted himself to God's providence and humanity without sparing any blood, sweat and tears during the 93 years of his sacred life. 다악한 인류가 부모를 잃고 부모 유린당하고 억압받으며 노예처럼 살아온 인류를 마지막 남은 육체적 정신적 분이, 아, Having lost their parents, foreign men have been violated and oppressed by Satan, the false parent, and live obediently like slaves. To Father, the Messiah poured out every last drop of his physical and mental passion. In order to return humankind.
1: What in the hell is that like low-level growling that underneath is it
3: all? a g- nearby generator, electric generator.
1: God, it's like a horror movie soundtrack.
3: The speaker says that True Father's death wasn't the end, but rather the beginning of a new phase of God's providence the final phase of God's providence to unite the physical and spiritual worlds.
11: True Father went to the spiritual world after leaving behind words which he repeated three times. It is finished. It is finished. It is finished. However, we came to learn that going to the spiritual world didn't mean the end, but the beginning, and that it was the last providence to unite the spiritual and physical world
3: Much of the speech disparaged the mother of Sean and Justin Moon, Hakcha Han Moon, whom they refer to as Han Mother. According to the speaker, Han Mother betrayed True Father. The speaker specifically refers to Sean Moon as the second king and heir representative. Justin Moon is referred to as Representative Kuk Jin, General Inspector. The speaker says that their mother rejected her son's but he uses the more dramatic phrase, driven out into the wilderness.
11: However, Han Mother betrayed True Father and as well such miserable situations where Satan stole and accused True Father's victory. Moreover, the second king, her successor, and representative and cooking general inspector whom True Father had established had to be driven out into the wilderness
3: Due to the betrayal of Han Mother, spirits that were captured by True Father now run rampant in the physical world, and now devils dominate men.
11: Due to the betrayal of Han Mother, devils who were captured by True Father became rampant in the physical world, and the world turned into worlds of darkness where devils dominate men.
3: The speaker says that if Han Mother had instead become one with Sun Myung Moon and her sons, then God's providence would have begun in full swing. And now this includes the construction of Chun Il Guk. In Unification Church theology, this is the nation of cosmic peace and unity, a God-oriented nation that has nothing to do with the human fall or sin. We would then receive God's love eternally, in this kingdom, but but were it not for the evil of Han Mother.
11: If Han Mother had truly become one with True Father, and one with the three kinship and the true Cain and true Abel, whom True Father had chosen, then God's providence would have begun in full swing the construction of Channel And through the world foundation established by True Father, we would have received the Foundation Day of the thousand-year-old kingdom where God dwells eternally.
3: The speaker goes on to say that due to the betrayal of Han Mother, this providence has been extended. And now we realize that freedom's final struggle is progressing so horribly that's difficult to even imagine.
11: But due to the betrayal of Han Mother, the providence has been extended. And we now realize that freedom's final struggle It's progressing so horribly that it's difficult to even
3: imagine. Again, I want you to imagine one to 200 people in a damp, grassy field surrounding this person screaming this, listening to this family drama told in these dramatic, epic terms. The speaker describes this betrayal from Han Mother as resistance from Satan. But despite that, the late Sun Myung Moon achieved victory through his sons who completed the three generations kingship and the four-position foundation. Now, the three generations kingship refers to the unification idea that this providence should be continued in three generations. The four-position foundation refers to a unification metaphysical idea that the fundamental foundation for the life of all beings are composed of four unique positions. The origin Subject and object partners and their union. For example, the husband, who is the subject partner, the wife, who is the object partner, their union, which is the children, and their origin, which is God. This is basically this idea that you could connect everything through fours.
11: Despite such fierce resistance from Satan to further achieve victory in the foundation of faith through the true king and true Abel, for the first time the fall of men and completed the three generations kingship and the four position foundation.
3: As the speaker wraps up, things start getting really weird and I come to respect Jake's decision not to come.
11: <laughs> Although we are a few number and are very much imperfect, we are now witnessing the miracles brought by true fathers, Holy Spirit, Even if our path is dangerous, we as a peace police, peace militia, as crusaders of heaven, by the command of true father, we will be victorious in the final fight against Satan. And and through this burning ceremony, we are confident that the bodies of Satan, the globalists, the super white Rothschilds, who actually donate the world, will disappear in the flames of eternal fire and create a miracle of victory for the liberation of men amen did
1: he say throw the rothschilds in the eternal flame or something yeah
3: yeah and also they're they're going to engage in a firefight against satan after this someone ignites the pile of pallets stacked on the hill The flames grow slowly, but as they start to consume the wood, they generate little sparks and pops. The church has sprinkled little firecrackers throughout the palace, so the bonfire is more dramatic. The fire grows to maybe 20 or 30 feet into the air, causing the trees and the surrounding forest to glow and shooting off sparks and ash into the cold sky. As the fire grows and the firecrackers pop, Sha Moon himself takes to the microphone to read from Revelations, book 18.
10: Fallen, fallen, is down along the long has become a dwelling place for demons, a haunt for every unclean spirit, a haunt for every unclean bird, a haunt for every unclean detestable beast. All nations have drunk the wine of the passion of her sexual immorality, and the kings of the earth have committed immorality with her and the merchants of the earth have grown rich from the power of her luxurious living. Then I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, lest you take part in her sins, lest you share in her plagues, for her sins are heaped high as heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. Pay her back as she herself has paid back others, and repay her double for her deeds. Mix a double portion for her in the cup she mixed, as she glorified herself in living luxury, give her a like measure of torment and mourning since in her heart she says I sit as a queen I am no widow and mourning I shall never see for this reason her plagues will come in a single day death and mourning and famine she will be burned up with fire for mighty is the Lord God who has judged her and the kings of the earth who committed sexual immorality and lived in luxury with her will weep and wail over her when they see the smoke of her burning they will stand far off in fear of her torment, and say, Alas, alas, you great city, you mighty city Babylon, for in a single hour your judgment has come, and the merchants of the earth weep and mourn for her, since no one buys their cargo anymore, cargo of gold, silver, jewels, pearls, fine linen, purple cloth, silk, scarlet cloth, all kinds of scented wood, articles of ivory, costly wood, bronze, iron, and marble. Cinnamon, spice, incense, myrrh, frankincense, wine, oil, fine flour, wheat, cattle, and sheep, horses, and
3: chariots, and slaves. That is human souls. After the reading, Sean Moon says a short prayer, thanking God for all the miracles he has poured out during the three days of the Rod of Iron Freedom Festival. He says that the bonfire represents Satan and the city of Babylon coming to an end, along with all its sinful culture. He says that if america falls then the torch of liberty will be put out all over the world he prays that america will claim her righteous and holy stand in protecting the principles upon which our civilization stands and with that some in the crowd begin to sing marching on heavenly soldiers as the fire continues to consume the pile of pallets behind them
8: beautiful Sunrise, come above the land of our hope. Rode to white, chosen people, fighting for the land of God. Towering high, the snow i mountain, send the law in majesty, ruling with power over the world, shining o'er the universe. Marching on, on heavenly soldiers. soldiers. marching on with his love, uniting in life eternal with the God of heaven and earth. Heavenly soldiers fighting strongly for the victory, bring lost souls to harvest. From the fallen world of fear, really giving love and beauty to them from our parents' heart. Spreading the world over the world, rescuing the family of God, marching on every soldier, marching on with his love, uniting Life eternal with our God in heaven and earth, sanctify the brave crusaders, joining out your parents' fight, lifting high the rod of iron, smashing evil of the world. Now restore. Heavenly Father, giving joy to comfort His heart. Marching on, heavenly soldier,
13: marching on with
8: His love, uniting in life eternal, Father God in heaven and earth, uniting in life eternal.
3: The song is soothing compared to the display of anger I just witnessed. But now I have to think about the other big reason I'm here, which I had failed to consider before. It's the same reason that the Sanctuary Church exists, the reason this facility exists, the reason that the Freedom Festival exists, the reason that this church and this festival is helping fuel the desire for civil conflict in this country. And that reason is that Sean Moon fucking hates his mom. I wonder what I would be doing right now if the boom boys just got along with their mom, if they weren't so angry that they created a religious schism. I probably wouldn't be listening to a hymn in a field in eastern Pennsylvania surrounded by swaying people as cold rainwater soaks through my boots and the biggest bonfire I've ever seen in my life rages in the background. (laughs) Of course, maybe the causality of my circumstances isn't unique. Family trauma shapes the trajectory of everyone's life. It probably shapes national politics too. It definitely shapes extremism. It's just usually less visible than this.
1: Thanks for listening to another episode of the QAnon Anonymous podcast. You can go to patreon.com slash QAnon Anonymous and subscribe for $5 a month to get a whole second episode every week, plus access to our entire archive of premium episodes. Uh, If you're already a subscriber, thank you. It helps us stay advertising free and funds, uh, you know, soul crushing expeditions uh, like the one featured in this episode. Mm hmm. For everything else, uh, we've got a website. It's QAnonAnonymous.com.
3: Listeners, until next week, may the deep dish bless you and keep you.
7: It's not a conspiracy. Yeah, it's fact. fact. And
13: now, today's cue This is a story of my life since I was born in the church. We call it Unification Church. And I was... I grew up, my parents were the members of the church and I grew up in the church. I was married to Reverend Moon's eldest son when I was 15 and I lived with Reverend Moon's family for 14 years and I left. Reverend Moon is the founder and he claims that he is the Messiah. He preaches that Jesus came as the Messiah, but he failed to fulfill his mission. And God sent Reverend Moon to follow up what Jesus originally had to do to restore the, the humanity to God. That's basically what he's saying. And as member of the church, my parents and us Believe that Reverend Moon was the Messiah, and he's the one who is representing God. And we have to go out and witness and bring as many as many people as possible to the church. If I leave the church, that means to the members of the church that we become Satan. That's what it means. The members see themselves as the chosen people by God and once you leave the church you, be, you go to the realm of Satan and that sense since me and my children left we become the fallen people and that's main reason that still the church trying to get me and my children to come back. In terms of physical danger there's aspect of a uh, battered woman situation uh, which I, I saw myself as one. My husband, my ex-husband was very abusive and leaving the abusive situation is the, the time that's most, I think, dangerous to any battered woman. And that, and also the church itself I think it's a bit dangerous for them to acknowledge that Reverend Moon's first son's marriage was not fulfilled.